Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, and uh, the phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110, the email Pete at the thepetecallendershow.com, and on Twitter, uh, where, yeah, it's been, ooh boy, the lefties are upset this week. Um, it's at Pete Callender. It's where we do the wet work. I had somebody actually say to me on Twitter yesterday, some leftist, uh, who's like, I used to listen to WBT for years and years, and you turned me into a leftist. I listened to... They started naming all of these, uh, naming all of these uh, hosts and stuff, and, I was, and so I, I just sent him the gif of Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive, you know, where he's standing in the waterfall pipes, uh, whatever, and he's like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, like, you, you, you know, citing all of these hosts from... 20 years ago and that, that and how they turned you into this rabid progressive. Yeah, it did. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I, I don't care what your origin story is. <laughs> You've mistaken me for somebody who cares about like your history here. And, and I don't. And so I told him that and they said their most remarkable thing afterwards. This person said, uh, Twitter is a lot harder than, than radio, isn't it, huh? What? What, a, what an odd thing to think. Do you think Twitter is more difficult than this? No, sir. <laughs> no, it is not. You understand? There's, there are literally three people in this room right now doing this, making this happen. And that's not even talking about all of the, the other people, the support staff behind the scenes. Right? Like, anyway... No, Twitter, I get on Twitter and I just say whatever I want, whenever I want, about whatever I want. It's like, no, that's random thoughts and such. Uh, no, this actually takes prep. Okay, so uh, by the way, uh, yeah, so Cinco de Mayo, that's today. It is a day of great significance. <clears throat> it marks the Mexican army's victory over French forces <laughs> at the Battle of Puebla on May 5th, 1862. The battle was fought during the second French invasion, which is not surprising. To hear that the first French invasion failed. That's... I kid the French. Come on now. The conflict began in 1861 when Mexico declared a temporary moratorium, just temporary, on the repayment of foreign debts. France, under the leadership of Napoleon III, saw the fledgling Mexican Republic's inability to repay its creditors as an opportunity to reestablish a foothold in North America after losing its Canadian holdings to the British and losing all of its U.S. territories to the U.S. when they sold it all as part of the Louisiana Purchase. By the way, there, there's a lesson here, you know? There's a lesson here when the country racks up debt and then can't pay it. There's a lesson here. I, I don't know what it is, though. So Paris sent a well-equipped army to invade Mexico. At the time, the United States was powerless to enforce its Monroe Doctrine. 
which declared that any attempt by a European power to interfere in the affairs of the newly independent nations of Latin America would be seen as a threat to American national security because it was embroiled in its own civil war, the Monroe Doctrine. Nevertheless, although outnumbered and outgunned, the Mexican army defeated the French forces in the decisive Battle of Puebla. Which, okay, I mean, you defeated the French. Is that really that, really that worth celebrating? The victory, though, was significant for Mexico, giving the country a much-needed morale boost and demonstrating its ability to resist foreign aggression. However, it was a short-lived success, as the French went on to capture Mexico City and establish a puppet government under the rule of Emperor Maximilian I. Mexican guerrilla forces continued to fight the occupation. Um, in 1865, finally freed from the shackles of its own internal strife of the Civil War, the United States began providing the Mexicans with support, helping them defeat the French and drive them out of North America once again. Which really, I mean, if you think about it, like we helped the Mexicans over the French. And the French were our original ally. I don't know why anybody trusts us, actually. I mean, it's... <laughs> so congratulations everybody have a corona all right um <laughs> news talk 11 10 99 wbt by the way this uh, that came from uh to, to bobby miller at national review who also uh told this history as a way to say you know we really should be uh helping out i think the ukrainians i think is who we say i mean good, all right well he doesn't say ukraine but he says um the price of inaction in the face of foreign aggression can be high and that proactive steps when necessary and prudent can safeguard our interests and promote a more peaceful world. Now, maybe he's not talking about Ukraine. Maybe he's talking about China. I would, I mean, I could read that as China as well, because China is making all sorts of inroads into Central and South America right now. Yeah, they're cutting all sorts of deals. So, you know, maybe. Did you know that the nation's spy chief, the head of the director of the CIA since 2021, did you know that he had meetings with Jeffrey Epstein, who didn't kill himself? Did you know that? Yeah. It seems, I don't know, kind of important. Wall Street Journal reporting the circle of people who associated with Jeffrey Epstein years after he was a convicted, uh, a convicted sex offender, is wider than previously reported, according to a trove of documents that include Epstein's schedules. Just think about how bizarre this is, too, by the way. That, what's her face? Ghislaine Maxwell, right? She gets convicted of running this prostitution ring, but not a single person apparently used their services? Does anybody else find that to be a bit odd? That you could actually prosecute someone for running the entire operation that had no clients, apparently. Not a single client. Never needed to prove that any clients ever actually did participate, right? Just that she was running this operation with Epstein. That's it. Weird. Um, Catherine Rumler. Oh, sorry. I skipped ahead. First up, William Burns. It burns. Director of the CIA since 2021 had three meetings scheduled with Epstein in 2014. That was when he was Deputy Secretary of State. 
They first met in Washington, and then Mr. Burns visited Epstein's townhouse in Manhattan. The townhouse is apparently where all of the poop went down. Catherine Rumler, a White House counsel under President Barack Obama, had dozens of meetings with Epstein in the years after her White House service and before she became a top lawyer at Goldman Sachs in 2020. Epstein also planned for Rumler to join a 2015 trip to Paris and a 2017 visit to Epstein's private island in the Caribbean, where even worse stuff went down. And then there's Leon Botstein, the president of Bard College, where they do a lot of poetry and singing, as I understand it, in medieval garb. Uh, He invited Epstein, who brought a group of young female guests, to the campus, to Bard College. Epstein shows up with a couple of young ladies on the arms. Isn't that interesting? Noam Chomsky, professor, author, political activist, leftist, was scheduled to fly with Epstein to have dinner at Epstein's Manhattan townhouse in 2015. None of their names appear in Epstein's now public black book of contacts, nor do any of these names appear in the public uh, flight logs of passengers who traveled on his private jet. The documents show that Epstein arranged multiple meetings with each of them after he had served jail time in 2008 for a sex crime involving a teenage girl and was registered as a sex offender. The documents, which include thousands of pages of emails and schedules from 2013 to 2017, have not been previously reported. Now, part of the reason why people may have been okay rubbing elbows and other body parts with this guy might be because... He had a history with the Federales. They had connections. Yeah, that's come out too this week. I'm as shocked as you are. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. I am as shocked as you are that Jeffrey Epstein has a history with the FBI as a source. I mean, who would have ever, like, well, not guessed that actually all right i'll get back to that but the wall street journal a couple days ago they busted open this story epstein's private calendar revealed not no relation no relation to to me uh the private calendar reveals prominent names including cia chief and goldman sachs top lawyer The documents do not reveal the purpose of most of the meetings the wall street journal could not verify whether every scheduled meeting took place. Most of those people 
told the Wall Street Journal that they visited Epstein for reasons related to his wealth and connections. As opposed to, what, admitting that you went there to engage in the underage prostitution. I guess, yes, as far as, like, right, explanations go, then, yes, you would go with the, I was only in it for the power and the money. Right. Several said that they thought that he had served his time and had rehabilitated himself. (laughs) Right. uh, Okay. Uh, Mr. Botstein from the uh, Bard College said he was trying to get Epstein to donate to his school. Right. He was going for the money. He was shaking him down, wanting to be a donor. Please give us lots and lots of money. Noam Chomsky said he and Epstein discussed political and academic topics. Like if one were to become a paid informant for the FBI, if one were to run a a, a honeypot operation in order to uh, extort the rich and powerful, how would you do that? Like these types of philosophical academic discussions, you know, CIA spokeswoman Tammy Kupperman Thorpe said that the director of the CIA, Mr. William Burns, uh, did not know anything about Epstein other than that he was introduced as an expert in the financial services sector and offered general advice on transition to the private sector. Quote, they had no relationship. I mean, Epstein and Burns had no relationship. Now, maybe there were some relationships with some other underage girls, but Epstein and Burns, no. Knew the director didn't know anything about him, which I believe. I believe that the head of the CIA would have meetings with people and know nothing about the people he's meeting. That makes total sense. It's, I mean, that's like everything I've ever seen on television and in movies, which never lie. So the journal goes on to report that in 2006, Epstein was publicly accused of sexually abusing girls in Florida who were as young as 14 years old. Again, the CIA director did not know anything about this when he met with him like almost a decade later. The FBI and police investigated, and Epstein reached a deal with prosecutors in 2008. You remember this deal? I think it was what the Miami Herald, they did a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of stories on this at the time about how he avoided federal charges and pleaded guilty to soliciting and procuring a minor for prostitution for a child i mean that yeah solicited and procured right so he right he committed statutory rape that that is what soliciting and procuring a minor for prostitution would be right right okay he registered as a sex offender served about 13 months in a work release program after the miami herald reported that dozens of women said that they were abused Prosecutors then charged Epstein in 2019 with a sex trafficking conspiracy. He died that year in a New York jail cell while awaiting trial in what the city's medical examiner said was a suicide, but everybody knows wasn't. Mr. Burns, 67, a career diplomat and former ambassador to Russia, had meetings with Epstein in 2014 when Mr. Burns was deputy secretary of state. So we are to believe that you're just taking meetings with Epstein. This would be five, six years after the convictions, after the accusations of the, the soliciting and procuring the kids for prostitution. You're a registered sex offender. 
And then all of this just kind of went away. Remember, the victims were never notified that the that a deal had been reached and all of that. But now we know why. There's a uh, there's a blog called Techno Fog. They do deep dives on these kinds of uh, intel community affairs, and they've gotten their hands on a whole bunch of documents. It is a very lengthy piece. I'm going to give you the highlights of it, but here's the headline: Confirmed Jeffrey Epstein's history as an FBI source. Shocker. Uh, All righty, so the Wall Street Journal with this exclusive report that Jeffrey Epstein's private calendar reveals prominent names, including the CIA chief, William Burns, who at the time was a deputy secretary of state. Now he is a C- now he's the director of the CIA. Do you think there may have been anything, any compromising material against him? Do you think that might be a problem? I think it might be a problem, but don't worry, the CIA and... Okay, first off, I need to say this. Love the CIA, everybody that works for them, they never do anything wrong. Total support. That being said, the CIA would never lie to us about something, right? They would never lie about the director of the agency maybe partaking in some shenanigans that might make him susceptible to extortion or blackmail, right? That would never happen. They would never lie about something like that. I mean, not to the American people, right? Spencer, welcome to the program. Hello, Spencer. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Uh, all this Epstein stuff and all these people that were working with him. Mm. They were just like... meeting. No, they were just meeting. They were yeah, interested yeah. in getting some of his money, using him for some connections. That was it. Yeah, it sounds like me using the excuse, I only read Playboy for the articles. Was there anything in Playboy besides the articles? I don't know. I only read it for the article. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what else would you... I mean, it's if there are articles and you are reading, there's nothing else to do except read articles. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's the standard. Yeah. That's all I have to say. All right, Spencer, I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, why? What else would you... What else would you use Playboy for? Um, Mr. Burns. Not the one that shot Maggie, but um, this is uh, William Burns, the uh, director of the CIA. He's a career diplomat, a former ambassador to Russia. He had meetings with Epstein in 2014 when Burns was deputy secretary of state. The lawyer uh, that I mentioned earlier, what's her name? Catherine Rumler. uh, She first met Epstein after he called her to ask if she would be interested in representing the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. A spokeswoman for Mr. Gates said Epstein never worked with the Microsoft founder and misrepresented their relationship and that Mr. Gates regrets ever meeting with him. I'm sure he does. (laughs) Over the next few years, Ms. Remler, then a partner specializing in white-collar defense at Latham and Watkins had more than three dozen appointments with Epstein, including for lunches and dinners. What else? Epstein also connected Ms. Rumler with Ariana de Rothschild. Oh, for the love of me. 
Here, okay, get your tinfoil, get your tinfoil hats here, people. Step right up. <laughs> uh -huh, it's a Rothschild, all right. Uh, Ariana de Rothschild, who is now chief executive of the Swiss private bank, Edmund de Rothschild Group. The bank hired Ms. Rumler's law firm, Latham & Watkins, after the introduction to help with U.S. regulatory matters, according to the bank and the Goldman Sachs spokesman. Mrs. de Rothschild, who married into the famous banking family, had more than a dozen meetings with Epstein. He sought her help with staffing and furnishings, because that's what I do. I I go to a Rothschild banker to learn how to do interior decorating. Makes sense. Makes sense. And to hire people. That's what banking is all about. No? I mean, really, you go into a bank and you're like, look at all these fantastic employees. Oh, my gosh, and this decor is magnificent. All right, so you would want to go right to the top of an international banking family and you would ask the head honcho, can I get some advice on some staffing and furnishings? Makes total sense. They also discussed some business deals, according to de Rothschild. In September 2013, Epstein asked Mrs. de Rothschild in an email for help finding a new assistant and was very specific in, in the criteria. He said, quote, female, multilingual, organized. And de Rothschild said, I'll ask around. She bought nearly a million dollars worth of auction items on behalf of Epstein in 2014 and 2015. Don't know what that's about. I guess he had her going around to the auctions because that's what you do. You go to the Rothschild group and you're like, hey, you're, you're in charge here. Do me a favor. I need you to be my surrogate, my proxy in the uh, in the the auction houses. I mean, I can't go myself. So somebody like you, Mrs. De Rothschild, you're an unknown. Nobody knows who a Rothschild is. Or may, oh, maybe maybe she was the one that got the painting of Bill Clinton in the blue dress. The famous painting that they found at Epstein's Pedo Island? Yeah. Uh, Mrs. de Rothschild was named chairwoman of the bank in January 2015. That October, she and Epstein negotiated a $25 million contract for Epstein's Southern Trust Company, where he, he and his company would provide risk analysis and the application and use of certain algorithms for the bank. <laughs> That's a $25 million contract. For that, to provide risk analysis and the use of certain algorithms, not defined, not described. After Epstein was arrested in 2019, the bank said that Mrs. de Rothschild never met with Epstein and it had no business links with him. And uh, that wasn't true. <laughs> that turned out to not be true. The bank has acknowledged to the Wall Street Journal that the earlier statement wasn't entirely accurate. It said Mrs. de Rothschild met with Epstein as part of her normal duties at the bank over the course of six years. And Epstein introduced the bank to U.S. finance leaders, recommended law firms, and provided tax and risk consulting. It just, they just forgot. Whoops, our bad. Totally forgot that we had this six-year-long relationship in all sorts of areas of business. Mrs. de Rothschild had no knowledge of any legal proceedings against Epstein and was similarly unaware of any questions regarding his personal conduct. Once again, another high power international person who didn't do any kind of background check on this person uh, that, that was hiring her to like go to auctions or something.
Totally believable to me. I don't know. Yeah, I have some extra tinfoil. Here you go. There you go. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Got a message here from Chris who says, uh, Pete, I was thinking. Uh, yeah, Christopher says, I was thinking, Pete, if Jeffrey Epstein, uh, or I thought Jeffrey Epstein was a CIA asset and not an FBI one, but wouldn't it be a laugh if Epstein worked for Russia's FSB? Like that. Be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't believe any aspect of this story. I like I really I how could you? I mean, how could we know anything? Okay. I believe there were meetings. I believe like Jeffrey Epstein existed. Okay. I believe he existed. I believe he killed him. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh I, <laughs> I believe he had these meetings, he kept all these records. And uh, of the meetings. And beyond that, I don't know. But I have, uh, like, I am leaning towards, you know, certain, yeah, certain opinions here about what he was doing, what he was up to. I don't think you can be this connected to this many people. And and then, you know, you end up dead after they find your pedophile island and your Lolita Express plane and your townhome where you had all these parties and meetings and such. And you're some financier. I'm. I wasn't even aware of this guy. Like he's apparently getting all of these lucrative contracts and stuff, and he's making connections for people. It just seems like a honeypot front. That's what it seems like, right? It's a. It the whole thing is designed to entrap and then shake down. That's what it seems like to me. Because otherwise, what's the purpose of of uh or not purpose? But what is the explanation for how? You have Ghislaine Maxwell in prison for running this prostitution, a sex trafficking operation, right? And not a single person ever charged with using that operation. How does that happen? How does that happen? One of Epstein's uh, scheduled meetings with Ariana de Rothschild included another one of his regular guests, Joshua Cooper Ramo, or Ramo, Ramo, who at the time was the co-chief executive of Henry Kissinger's corporate consulting firm. Epstein and Ramo had a dozen, more than a dozen meetings over the course of four years. Uh, at the time, Ramo served on the boards of Starbucks as well as FedEx. Some of the other regulars, uh, Rama was invited to a breakfast at the town home with Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak, who was a regular guest at the town home as well. And then there's Noam Chomsky, now 94 years old. He's a linguistics professor and political activist who has been critical of capitalism and U.S. foreign policy. He's a leftist. Okay. 
But apparently, he's a he was a regular. He was a pal of Epstein's. Epstein arranged several meetings in 2015 and 2016 with Chomsky while he was a professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. When asked about the relationship with Epstein, Chomsky replied in an email, quote, First response is that it is none of your business or anyone's. Second is that I knew him and we met occasionally. Epstein planned to fly with Chomsky and his wife to have dinner with them and movie director Woody Allen. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Do I need, really, do we need any more information at this point? Um, I am aware of the principle that requires, oh, he says, I am, Chomsky said to the Wall Street Journal, quote, I am unaware of the principle that requires I inform you about an evening spent with a great artist. Which, I mean, it just screams regret, right? It, yeah. Mr. Botstein, president of Bard College, he's 76. He's been uh, the, pres- the president of Bard College uh, almost as long as I've been alive. And he had about two dozen meetings over four years, which were mostly visits to Epstein's townhome. And he says, I was an unsuccessful fundraiser. And actually the object of a little bit of sadism on his part in dangling, no, dangling philanthropic support is what he said. Dangling philanthropic support. That was my relationship with him, he said. Epstein donated 66 laptops to Bard College. We looked him up and found out he was a convicted felon for a sex crime. But he says, we have a program that provides education to prisoners. We believe in rehabilitation. He presented himself as a billionaire, a really, really rich person. I found him odd and arrogant. And what I finally came to believe, which is why we stopped contact with him, is that he was simply stringing us along. It was a blessing in disguise that we never got any more money from him. (laughs) Yeah. Technofog says that the Department of Justice gave Jeffrey Epstein a sweetheart deal that deferred prosecuting Epstein for federal offenses, including the interstate sex trafficking of minors and recruiting minors to engage in commercial sex acts in exchange for Epstein pleading guilty to Florida state-level solicitation of prostitution and procurement charges. That was the deal the FBI made. And so he became a source for them. Do you think he used his operations to help funnel compromised people to the FBI? 